back to another episode of Dr. Me First. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. It's a great day here in Wiseman World. Let me tell you, I just got a text from one of my nurses, and she gave me a screenshot that she just bought the new kids on the block hanging tough record. I don't know about you guys, but that gets me a little bit excited. If you were a new kids on the block fan, I would love to hear from you. Anyway, let's get into this podcast episode. If you don't know me by now, I'm Dr. Erin Wiseman, your colleague in medicine and your coach in life. And it is my mission in this world to change medicine from a place of burnout, brokenness, and despair into one that is just joy-filled, sustainable, and that you absolutely freaking love. So I'm so glad that you joined me here on Dr. Me First. My colleague and guest today is Dr. Aditi Gupta. She is a fabulous OBGYN. She's out on the East Coast in New York. She's going to talk about her walk-in clinics that she's created. She's also going to give us a sneak peek into the epidemic of PCOS, something I did not even realize, and I'm so glad that she came and had this conversation with me. So check out our conversation and then stick around afterwards for that kick of encouragement. Okay, here we go. podcast, Dr. Aditi Gupta. I'm so excited to have you here with me today. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Why don't you tell all of our listeners a little bit more about your fabulous self? My fabulous self. Okay, I'm an OBGYN. I graduated from medical school in 1996 in India, and then I moved to this country in wait 2000. I did my residency in India as well. And then I came here to New York and repeated my residency here. And then I became an OBGYN faculty attending in Flushing Hospital in New York. Then I left my job. Well, didn't really leave it. I continued to be faculty. And then I opened my own practices and clinics uh, and opened the first ever walk-in center for women's health in New York City in 2014. Since then, we've been expanding and taking care of over a thousand women per month at each location. And I have currently three locations and the fourth one is under construction. Girl, you are such a badass. Oh my gosh, I absolutely love this. First and foremost, goddamn, I hate how I know so many people who have, to, have had to repeat their residency from an uh, outside country coming into the US. I just wanna stand up and say it's bullshit, I'm sorry. But I mean, I'm, I kind of understand that it's okay to repeat it because, you know, it's like being Rome as Romans do. So I do think it's important for us to learn the ways and practices here. Obviously, we know the medical knowledge, but it's good. I think it's a good thing to do. We don't, we shouldn't have to repeat four years. I guess we could have a separate track and repeat two years or something. See, I think so. I, I just... I, I just, I know so many international graduates and I, I hate the way that people, I've seen people have been treated, you know, that they, they come in, they already have some clinical knowledge. They're obviously very smart people and I've seen them treated bad. And I just, I, I hate that about the American medical system. Yep. That's, I mean, you know, there's pluses and minuses. But 
you have soared through all of that. And I love that so much. I did do a little sneak peeking on you ahead of time before this podcast and saw all about your women's health walk-in clinics. And I was like, oh my God, this is a woman after my own heart. I think it's an amazing model. We'll talk, we'll talk more about it as we get into the episode. But I just wanted to say, I love that you've been a trailblazer in that and that you have taken that on and had an idea and just now seeing that it's growing to four locations is just absolutely amazing. So I love that. Thank you. you. Okay. Your word today you want to talk about is PCOS. Let's hear it, girl. Why did you pick this one? PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, As gynecologists, we encounter this a lot. And the reason I picked it is because in the recent four to five years, I'm seeing literally an epidemic of PCOS uh, because a lot of doctors are not really realizing that PCOS is, it, it breeds in everything like your dietary issues, obesity, thyroid imbalance, all of it ties back down to PCOS. Girls getting early menarche, um, girls getting periods at eight, and then increased incidence of breast cancer, ovarian cancer, endometrial cancer, it's all related to PCOS. And, you know, and that PCOS is a spectrum and it's not necessarily um, black and white, which is why I'm like, I'm getting really passionate about this. And I really want to educate other doctors as well as patients, moms, kids, all about PCOS and how small changes in life can actually help Mm, you've got me intrigued. So I'm family medicine um, boarded by background. And yeah, when I was out in the private practice sector, you know, would start to see, I was starting to see more women with it. And even like, I was kind of in tune to be like, have you ever had a workup, you know, like trying to start asking because I mean, they looked pr- pretty much like syndromic, you know, at times. And so I would love to you to go, go in the last four or five, what are you seeing as far as when you say an epidemic? Do you think it's just more awareness and we're picking up more people? Or do you think there actually are an expansion of women who are experiencing this? Absolutely an expansion. Um, I mean, starting, like I said, from eight, nine years old, when I have mothers bringing their daughters uh, because mother's already a patient with me um, and they're like nine, 10 years old, their breasts are fully developed. They, they're like, you know, secondary sexual developments already happened and they are overweight you can tell and then they're having period issues and so you know they start menarche early and then they have excessive hair growth acne skipping periods when the period comes it's super heavy so definitely an expansion and i do think that's all related to diet and lifestyle Um, and the diet doesn't have doesn't mean that they're overeating and eating junk food it's also the types of foods that they're consuming and you know the added uh, environmental chemicals, which are called xenoestrogens, which go in the body and change the metabolic pathway to the bad one, just to make it easy. Yeah, and that leads to estrogen dominance-like picture, which is essentially PCOS. And the same thing continues to perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause. like it goes all the way to the end. And that's when it starts to in- increase the risk of endometrial cancer. In the walk-in clinics, and the patients we see in the walk-in clinics are, you know, not like underserved area or anything like that. They're professional women like you and me who just don't have time to go get care. We're diagnosing one endometrial cancer a week. And oh my God. Way above the actual incidence. And this is because 
first of all, they're not able to get to, I mean, they're waiting too long for appointments. And then they come in with irregular bleeding, heavy bleeding. We do a biopsy the same day. It's just, it's crazy. And they're younger and younger. Just last week, I had 42-year-olds, two 42-year-olds with endometrial cancer. I'm 45 years old. I feel like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God is right. So we're talking to a bunch of colleagues right now. You are definitely no stranger on this podcast. I've had lots of friends come on who are functional medicine docs, integrative medicine docs, people who are outside of the box. So as you're talking about diet and chemicals, my audience has been exposed to this. So blow this up for us more. Tell us as fellow clinicians, what do we need to be doing for people, for ourselves and for our own daughters? I hate to use the word organic, but I, I think we should know the source of where our food is coming from. And again, I don't want to be, you know, all non-GMO and stuff like that, but we should be reading the ingredients of every single thing we're consuming, including our perfumes, makeup, creams, face lotions, everything. Honestly, I make my own face cream, face gel, you know, it's once you know the ingredients, you just make your own thing. So number one, do that produce that we're consuming. I recommend really strongly washing everything. I mean, there are friends of mine who wash it with vinegar and then rinse it off like completely. Make sure you cook your stuff well. And I know there's a raw movement out there, but again, the I'm not a big supporter of that because cooking vegetables cleans them out of at least some chemicals that have been put into them um, local farm to table is the best but then also you got to be careful as to is the farm next to a place where they're using chemicals which are draining into the water supply of that farm because those are you know still organic but we don't think about it and then other processed foods like uh, you know milk eggs dairy all of that is a very high source of which are non-organic can be a high source of um, added estrogens because of the sources. And then I tell my patients too, is like try to cut down on white meats anyway. I mean, try to consume more protein through fish. Now that's another catch, you know, 22, because you need to be careful about the source of the fish. So it's, you know, consume smaller fish rather than bigger fish because less mercury and higher protein content. So there are lots of factors that can be utilized to help us. You know, and it's, it's what I feel like is continuing to keep being repeated over and over again. Like we can't take all the complexity of our food sources out, but we can at least like grow some awareness on what we're consuming, what we're bringing in our homes, what we're cleaning our bodies and our homes with. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Even for room fresheners, like I started uh, putting peppermint oil and tea tree oil in like diluting it in water and just spraying it all over the house. It smells beautiful. Mm -hmm. Just to change it as far as with this. Yeah. Tell me more about like with the, the PCOS spectrum. As a family doc, you know, I can think of the typical, you know, got a little extra hirsutism, got some hair, irregular periods, overweight or obese. But tell me more about the spectrum that maybe we should open our radar up to look a little bit more for these folks. I think the key sign is irregularity of periods, um, skipping cycles, delayed cycles, even if they start to get delayed by two or three days but it slowly and incrementally adds up. Uh, and also the quality of the bleeding, 
you know, instead of being a classic period which starts with first day of sparring and then regular flow, second, third day, and then slowly tapering off, uh, once people start to trend towards uh, PCOS, then the periods will start to become lighter, darker. And volume changes, right? Heavier versus a lot, a lot of spotting. Right. And then some of them will have long gaps, like two to three months, and then it'll be heavy. So quality, change, basically the change in pattern of the period cycle is very important. And then slowly weight gain and the type of weight gain would be, you know, the pear-shaped body versus the Android Android body. So they turn to, initially they turn to become very gynecoid, which is, you know, plump up in the breasts and then very narrow waistline, but then sudden bump out and then inability to lose that abdominal girth, that abdominal fat that women really get upset about. Those are the initial changes. And then of course the hair come in, excessive hair, receding hairline, uh, excessive hair in the abdominal area in the back and then acne. I appreciate it so much. You know, I'm just so glad that you brought this awareness to me. It's something that uh, since I'm not office-based anymore, I don't always think about, but definitely I can see it in my friend groups and my children's friends, you know, that sort of thing. Definitely being an issue because we're women and we talk about periods and we talk about our bodies and how things could change. And as far as with that, if my listeners are like, oh my gosh, she's onto something or I want to know more about this or hell, I live in New York and I need to go walk into one of her clinics. Where can they find out more about you? Well, um, they can find out about it in any of my walk-in clinics. Uh, it's called Walk-in GYN Care. And our website is walkingyn.com. And our phone number is 917-410-6905. Just Google Walk-in GYN Care New York and it just shows up. And we have three locations. Fourth one's coming up in Brooklyn. There's nothing like that in New York still. So anyone can just walk in. And the Astoria location is open seven days a week. Sunday. I love it. I know that there's going to be some entrepreneurial women out there who are probably going to blow up your inbox because they're going to want to know how they can start this movement in other places around the country. So that's exactly what I would love to partner with entrepreneurial doctors, women, whoever who wants to take this across with me to the country. Awesome. That's amazing. We're going to start something and it's going to just jump across. Oh, yeah, I'm so no. glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming and sharing about what you're doing innovatively in medicine, uh, talking more to us about PCOS and, and just being open and coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Erin, for having me. It was a pleasure. So much Dr. Gupta for coming, from talking from the perspective of an integrative OBGYN who is focused on women's health and women empowerment. I know I walked away from the conversation not evidently with new awareness about PCOS and the diagnosis and all that, but actually some new awareness around myself. And perhaps maybe you're having the same thing. And that's where I want my kick of encouragement to come from today. So as we know, more and more Health and wellness is not just the absence of disease. And I know that I've really taken a priority in my life, in my family's life, to try to formulate our 
livelihood on sustainable and healthy habits. And when Dr. Gupta was talking about, you know, just washing your produce well, knowing the source of your food, decreasing chemical exposures, trying to uh, decrease or eliminate processed foods that have those xenoestrogens in it, you know, my first initial gut reaction is like, but it's so hard. Do you guys feel like that sometimes too? (laughs) I know that comes to my head or I just don't have time for this. And so getting ready for this kick of encouragement, I sat back and I thought, you know, what's really the priority in my life, in my family's life? And that is to live a healthy and well-fulfilled life, correct? I think most of us, that's what we want for our lives. But yet when we have these thoughts of like, I don't have time to do this. It is too hard. I don't want to take the time to do it. I want it to be easier. All of that, the mind chatter that runs through my head, it's really counterproductive to that priority that we're setting in our lives. And this is the great thing. So I'm going to lead you through a little bit of a coaching model to get to this. So when Dr. Gupta is telling us, you know, these are things we need to do to decrease our exposures to external uh, substances that could lead to health issues for us, you know, what are your thoughts that immediately kick up to that? I already kind of shared mine. And then I want you to dig in a little bit and kind of see like what's underlying the surface in that. Why is it so hard? Why is it that you don't have time? So for me personally, just giving some word vomit and putting it out there, when I was hearing your talk, I was like, I don't, this is just so hard. Well, what makes it hard? Well, then that means I have to be more conscious about where I'm getting my food, where it's coming from, how I use it in in our home. Well, what about that is bad? Well, it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's going to take more effort. Okay, so what about that effort? Well, I feel like I'm giving so much to my business and my clients and my patients and my family. I don't have time for this. But if this is really a priority, shouldn't you make time for it? Shouldn't it be a part of the the priorities in your life? Yeah, but I guess I believe that maybe if I don't concentrate on it, then it's really not there and happening. See how I had that conversation with myself and I got down to that underlying belief of that if I just don't pay attention to it, then maybe it's not that big a deal and I won't have to do it. In layman speak or in doctor speak, we call that aversion, which I do that a lot, out of sight, out of mind. So that would be an area that I would need to be working on, on that belief. Just because I don't see it, does that mean it's not there and it's not important? Saying it out loud now, I know that's not true. But also saying that out loud and saying that I just don't want to deal with it, that creates feelings of me of like um, inadequacy or just not not the positive feelings that I want to have. So a way to switch this model to make it positives is saying like, what are the feelings? What are the things that I want to do that I need to change maybe my thoughts or belief patterns around? Well, and that would be, I want to feel empowered when it comes to my food choices. I want to feel good about those. So what would perhaps I need to think into Dr. Gupta's statements? What would I need to think about those instead? One thing that I could think instead, instead of saying I don't have enough time, is saying I need to problem solve how I can make time for this. Or I maybe need to look at some things that are sucking up times that aren't a priority in my life. Or maybe I need to have a thought like, who can I ask for help so that I can make more time for this priority? 
And then really also not forgetting because we can say that we're going to do all the things, but if we don't honestly believe it deep down, it's never going to change. So I really need to get at that belief that we kind of dug up of if I don't see it, then it's not that important. And getting into that belief, I think it goes with my aversion coping mechanisms that sometimes I just don't want to deal with it. If it's not in front of my face, then I don't have to deal with it. And instead, the belief that I would like to have is that I believe I'm empowered to make the choices and have the health that I'm working towards. Instead of avoiding it, perhaps just shining a small amount of light on it may make it easier for me to think the thoughts and feel the feelings that I need to so that I can have sustainable change in my life. So that was kind of a long windy version just to say that our thoughts really do affect how we handle our situation. And getting into trying to live a little bit healthier. As you guys know, if you're longtime listeners, my husband farms. And I have a big confliction at times about what he's doing in his work life and how that affects other people in our community, in our nation, and in the world. Now, we try to be as sustainable as possible, and we try to use very innovative farming technology and methods, but I know that we're not quite there yet. And this is when I have to remind myself, like, just keep going. You're not there yet. We don't have all the understanding, but you're making small changes every day. You got anything like that in your life where you know, like, you're not 100% and you almost let yourself get beat up because you're not 100%? What if you're just 80%? What if you're even just 50%? Is there a way that you could potentially just celebrate what you have done, what moves you are making in that direction, not evidently that you're already at the end result? I don't know. I just throw that out there to you in today's kick of encouragement. Roll it around a little bit, see what sinks in, and go from there. If you are loving this work that we're doing in the kick of encouragement, if you need more of it, if you want to talk to me in real life, I would highly encourage you to check out the show notes and look at the mastermind, the Dr. Me First mastermind that's getting ready to start here in 2020. I cannot wait to do these deep dives to talk about what our thoughts we're having, feelings we're dealing with, issues, outcomes, all of our realities, and seeing if we can do some work around that together to move you further in your life. Because really, this whole platform is about, doctor, we're going to take care of you first. Because, guys... Our life's work, our ambitions, our actions should not come from the pouring out of our cup. Instead, it should come from the overflow. So how do you need to fill yourself up? And what kind of overflow can you produce when your cup is totally topped off and everyone around you is catching the overflow? I say no more dumping out, only doing the overflow. All right, so check out those show notes. Hit me up. Ask me questions about the mastermind. I'd love to get you enrolled and get going in it. It's going to be a fabulous group. Cannot wait to start in 2020 to really kick off the next decade. So if you're still with me, you know the tagline at the end, and I really do mean it. Your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye.